I'd never thought of leadership as something which can be delivered through interaction with animals. For many people, animals tend to invoke irrational fear, yet for others, working with these silent or gentle beings brings out feelings and confidence which does not emerge readily from working with humans alone. And I know of two training businesses that deliver leadership training through having their paid clients work with horses. And it's my pleasure, therefore, to have a guest on today's episode who's going to explain to you how she came to work with horses and how she's built a training business around leadership training with horses. This is episode 90 of the Training Business Podcast. And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hi, my name is Mark, and you're listening to the Training Business Podcast. This is the show for freelance trainers, for training business owners, for training consultants, just like you and I all around the world. If this is your first time here, welcome. Thank you for your time, for dropping in. And if it's not your first time here, you're a regular listener. Thank you for your listenership and welcome back. The goal of this episode today, and of course, every episode is the same. It's to help you to start to grow and to scale a profitable training business. Now, interview formats each week take one of several kinds. It could be a solo episode with me, which has been the case in many episodes this year in 2020, or it could be episodes where we have guests on the show, not just people who are I don't know, multimillionaires, some of them have been, but also people who are at the level that you and I are at, which is helping people like ourselves, our peers in the training business community, people just like us in perhaps sales training, which is my area, or leadership training, or it could be management training, or it could be resilience training or mental health training. The list of topics is endless. And of course, for that reason, I try and vary the kinds of guests and the topics that we have on each episode to make them interesting and of course compelling. Now just when you think you've heard everything there is to know about the training business, you realize that there are people delivering training programs and learning experiences in environments and in ways that you had not realized were possible. And why is that relevant to the current situation? Because I'm conscious right now of how many people have told me that the current global pandemic has, on the one hand, been a threat to their business, but also, on the other hand, provided them with an opportunity to rethink their business and their lives. And quite a few trainers have told me that they love having the time now, particularly with good weather, to go for walks and to get outdoors with their kids or their dogs or both. And many can't imagine, even after nine weeks of this, Going back to the hustle and bustle of busy airport security lines and traffic and early starts, etc. Many of us have now a taste for nature and some of us are lucky to work in nature full time. And that's what today's guest Jude Jennison does. Jude's business, Leaders by Nature, facilitates leadership behavior through experiential learning with horses. And Jude's going to tell you how our business works and because... Jude is also a published author. You're going to learn how writing a book has, for her, attracted new clients and increased her training business revenue dramatically. 
Ju, good morning and welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Great to be here. So sunny summer morning again, um, Friday, 29th of May, as we're speaking. Right now, I'm thinking of your strap line for your business, and that is all about leading through disruptive change, specifically aligning leadership teams through disruptive change. What in your conversations with people have kind of struck a chord with you about the current environment and how it's disrupting not just businesses, but leadership of businesses? And people. And you people. Know, people's lives as well, yeah. Well, I, I've... Um, I've always been interested in change. I've always been somebody that just dives in and people have always said to me, oh, you're so courageous. And I've never really thought about being courageous. I think I'm probably more naive than courageous <laughs> because if I, if I knew in hindsight what I knew, you know, if I knew in advance what I know in hindsight, I probably wouldn't do most things that I've done. Um, so I, I'm no stranger to diving in and having a go, but I also recognize that that's not usual, that that's not comfortable for most people so um and the work you know the work that I do is really all about bringing teams out of their comfort zone and seeing how do they lead and what happens when people are uncertain is they start to have self-doubt and so they stop being brilliant so they stop bringing all the things that they can do um because they have self-doubt and a crisis of confidence. And it doesn't matter how senior you are or, you know, what size organization you are or what, what level you are in that organization. It, it happens to everybody. And what I found in disruptive change is that, you know, change by its very nature requires people to step out of their comfort zone. But mm -hmm. once you make it more disruptive, you know, like changing the way that the market um, is shaped or the way that we do business, you're really stepping into a place of uncertainty and inviting clients into that place as well. And that then becomes uncomfortable at a, at a business level as well as at an individual level. And, you know, in terms of the current um, pandemic, well, that's just magnified because we're all operating virtually. People are getting to grips with technology, isolation, emotional disconnection. I mean, the, the challenges are immense. They are. And, and what strikes me sometimes are the people who, in situations like these, find themselves in leadership positions, but they've not been through anything like this before. That's true for most of us. We've had nothing like this before. The nearest um, incident or, or set of circumstances I can think of would be the 2008 recession 12 years ago. And of mm -hmm. course, the ensuing years of, of uh, economic mayhem. But what about the people who call themselves leaders, who find themselves in leadership positions in a disruptive environment? What, what to your mind as a leadership trainer rings a bell with you and confirms this is a person who should be a leader? They're not just called a leader, but they're actually behaving and thinking like a leader in a disruptive environment. Well, I think, firstly, every every leader that I've spoken to over the last nine weeks, um, none, of, none of them have all the answers because none of us can. And that's, you know, in a way, that's what happens when there's uncertainty and, and disruptive change. And so we're operating in a way where we don't necessarily know where we're going and therefore we don't know how to get there. And yet people in organizations are looking to leaders to give them the direction and the clarity when there actually isn't any to be had. And so 
what what I'm finding is the ones who are navigating it well are the ones who have support around them and are um, and support to remind them how brilliant they are so that they don't get the self-doubt and the crisis of confidence and to recognize that none of us know where we're going but that doesn't mean we have to be static and um, and paralyzed in fear that we actually have to keep moving forward even when we don't know where we're going and trust that the, the tr you know trust is a big thing is really trust that the future is going to emerge and as it's emerging we're paying enough attention to be able to respond to it and that's a completely different skill set from the traditional you know command and control style of management or even you know or even leading in a in a in a BAU environment yes you mentioned uh, trust which to my mind if I think of someone who has earned the right to be a leader, not just someone whose title is leader or has that um, conferred upon them by someone in a different part of the organization, but someone who in innately is a leader by virtue of not just how they manage, but how they lead people who want to be led by them. And something that occurs to me is, is the fact that I would like to be led by someone who's been through a time like this before, but of course that's not possible, but perhaps something close to it. So to what degree does authenticity and previous experience matter when it comes to leadership? In other words, if I look at someone and think this person knows where they're bringing me, not just leading me for the sake of leading me, but bringing me on a path which will bring me towards certainty, to what degree is that important? Um, I think that the experience of having done it before is not important. I think um, I think authenticity is absolutely crucial because I think part of authenticity is to be honest about what's clear and what's not clear. So to be honest and transparent in saying, I don't know what the future strategy is going to be because the future is not clear yet. Um, that that is a form of clarity. And I don't think you have to have led through a pandemic to be able to do a really great job of it. Um, that doesn't mean you're going to do it perfectly. And I think, you know, that's that's where we have to start making a shift in our leadership in thinking that knowledge is everything and perfect is what we're striving for. We're actually not with disruptive change. What we're striving for is how do I respond to what's happening and how do I respond to the market conditions, to what my clients are wanting, to what I can offer and what brings me alive and solves a need and and how do I bring all of that together in a way that is of service in some way in the world with a particular audience whether that's in your own business or whether it's with clients or even whether it's with suppliers. So speaking of the current environment how has the current environment uh, disrupted your training business? Uh, well massively because my uh, my work involves bringing clients out to work with my herd of horses on their leadership and teamwork. Um, and obviously, the, the work with the horses ground to a halt nine weeks ago. Um, and, you know, the, the horses are still an overhead, a massive overhead to my business. I have a herd of four and I rent land and I have a yard manager that looks after them. And... Um, you know, it's not like furloughing employees and getting benefit for that. I, I can't even do that. So I had to cover my costs. And so what I did was exactly what I've just described, really, which was to say, 
What is it that my, where is the greatest need for my clients? What are the skills that I can bring? And how can that be of service to both my clients and, and to me and help my business survive and thrive? And so I launched uh, online masterclasses on leading through uncertainty, which is the title of one of my books. And I launched those and I've been running those for the last nine weeks. How's that, how's that going? Brilliantly. I mean, I've, I've had repeat bookings from every client that I've worked with. So they, you know, as they've done, they've often started with a senior team. They've then rolled it out to other groups as well. Um, because what, what I created was um, I did small intimate groups and I did it deliberately. I didn't want to just do a big webinar as a, as a big present and tell. I wanted to include people in the conversation because what happens in uncertainty is it's so uncomfortable that if people feel like they're being done to, they resist and their stress level and anxiety levels just go up. So by including people in the conversation, they feel like they're a part of the decision-making process, which of course is what you need in uncertainty and disruptive change because you don't need somebody at the top with all the answers. You need a team of people to be able to brainstorm and share ideas and come to some conclusions, whether they turn out to be right or not. Um, and so what I was asking people to do was share what their experience was of lockdown. And, you know, that that was profound because within one team, you might have somebody whose workload has doubled because they're an employment lawyer and they might have three children under the age of five and somebody else who's worried that, there's not enough work for them and they live on their own. And so they're actually quite bored and feeling very isolated. Um, and anything, you know, anything in between this, everybody's experience was so vastly different. And, and, you know, where teams were very good in the beginning of coming together and looking at how do they communicate effectively virtually. One of the main things that got overlooked was actually, how do you feel personally? Um, you know, and on the course, people would say, would you actually want me to tell tell you how I feel personally? And I said, yeah. And and it was it was just so freeing for people to actually say, this is how it is for me. Um, and for teams to witness each other in that was just profound because it creates a level of conversation that they wouldn't normally have, where they're saying, do you know what? I'm really struggling. And and I recognise that nobody can help me, but I just need to be able to share that. Um, so yeah, the, the masterclasses have been incredible and, you know, and really helped inform me and guide me on, well, what's needed, you know, what's needed next? Because what, what I saw was a deeper level of the work that I do anyway, because my work is all about how do you bring your emotions into work and how do you use them to inform and guide you? This was saying at a deeper level, when you're struggling how do you be honest and transparent and vulnerable in front of a team to say, I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm having a crisis of confidence or even I'm having panic attacks and not sleeping? Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult for many people right now. Cooped up at home, perhaps surrounded by family, absence of familiar environment, lack of structure, unable to say what's next or if there's any kind of next. Um, and thinking of what you've just said about you know, the masterclasses, you had literally to go from working with horses, which we'll come to because that's uh, quite uh, an interesting topic in itself, but to taking your business from offline in the field, literally in the field, to online within nine weeks. What was that like? 
I mean, I did it in a day. I mean, the you know, the, the day after lockdown, I, you know, I called a client and said, how are you doing? And they said, we're really struggling with the whole uncertainty of it all. And I said, well, I've written a book on uncertainty. Why don't, why don't we get the leadership team on a call and we'll have a, a chat about it and I'll share some of my thoughts. Um, and so it was literally creating it on the fly. And I think, you know, that's why I say I don't think leaders have to have done it before to be able to lead because part part of disruptive change, and this is the myth that I want to, to bust really of this is the new style of leadership that we need to have going forward is that ability to say, I'm willing to give this a go with my clients and trial this. Um, and, and if it works great, and if it doesn't, then, you know, no, no big deal. We've lost an hour and a half between us. Um, and, you know, so, so be, I beta tested it with a client. Um, and then on the back of that found that the results were so incredible. I, you know, I started, offering it to more clients and rolling it out. And so, you know, I think I think it it's a myth that we have to plan it and prepare it over a period of eight to nine weeks and get it perfect. I think in disruptive change and more and more in the future, the leaders that set themselves apart will be the ones that say, let's give this a go. Let's create it with, in collaboration with our clients um, so that they're part of the process and therefore, we're more likely to get it right than if we just make up what we think they want. Right. So you're you're literally co-creating with them in mind, and they're they're involved in that process. Okay. So thinking of the horses, because I've got to come to that. Um, I only know of one other person who involves horses in leadership training, but your brand is Leaders by Nature, which is a fantastic name. What on earth brought you to equine or equine facilitated leadership? which is what you do. It's working with horses. And how does, how do horses come into leadership training? Well, I, um, I have had two near death experiences around horses. Um, and as a result, I was, became terrified of them. And that, and that the, the second one that I had would involve me just walking across a field with horses in it with my dog. And these horses were trying to stamp on my dog's head and they were rearing with their hooves flailing about a meter above my head. And I honestly thought both me and the dog might get killed. And as a result of that, I became so terrified of horses. And I just decided, and I was terrified of horses for a long time. And then about 10 years ago, I thought, I just don't want to be frightened of anything in life. I just overcome my fear of them. And so I Googled horses and coaching and found this, you know, equine facilitated leadership, this way of working with them. And um, in five minutes, overcame my fear working with somebody with the horses. And in two hours, I learned so much about my leadership, where I'm brilliant, where I get stuck, and particularly about my leadership in a conflict situation. Um, that I just was, I was just intrigued, and I went back and trained in it with no intention of doing the work because I didn't know anything about horses. Um, you know, I'd ri- I'd ridden for six months as a as a child, but other than that, and I didn't like it. So, you know, other than that, I had no horse experience. Um, so I trained, and the day I qualified, sort of six months later, a client a client rang me up and said, "I've got this problem with a team," and I just thought, "Well, everything I've just been doing in this last week is is what you're presenting." So I so I sold them a a two-day workshop with the horses. And again, you know, that's that's an example, if you like, of me leading through uncertainty of I didn't have horses, I didn't know anything about them, I've qualified in something, but without really having all the skills. And 
And so I worked with the person that I trained with to deliver a two day workshop to the clients. So, you know, I'm, I'm not reckless in it, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm bold enough to have a go when I don't necessarily know where I'm going or what I'm doing, but I make sure that I do it in collaboration with others so that there's always a support network and structure around me that means that clients are held really, really well. Were you a trainer uh, before this? No. Okay. So what brought you to training? (laughs) That's always a question I like to ask people. Well, I I worked for IBM for 17 years and then I, I left there because I'll be honest, I was close to burnout. I was in a different country every week for four years um, flying all over, mostly Europe. And, and I was, I was close to burnout and I took a year sabbatical. And over that course of that sabbatical, I did a year long leadership program, which is, which was the kind of program that makes you sit with a blank piece of paper and say, who am I? What do I stand for? You know, what what do I want for the world? And, And what's my part in creating that? So I knew that I wanted, I knew that I wanted to get leaders and teams out of the office into nature um and that was all i knew and of course horses weren't part of that and that's why i set my business up and called it leaders by nature because i believe that we by our very innate nature we are all leading our own lives so we are all natural leaders of our own lives um and i don't think it's a position of of authority that we're given um and so we get to choose how we lead our life. Do we lead it with courage and confidence? Do we lead it with anxiety? Do we lead it with, you know, whatever, you know, notwithstanding mental health issues, but, but we largely get to choose how we lead our life. And, and if we don't like the way we're leading it, we can choose to change that. And that, that's not necessarily easy, but, but nevertheless, it's a choice. Um, and so for me, I, it, I became really clear that in my year sabbatical, what helped me kind of come back to centre was being in nature, you know, lying on the grass, looking up at the sky and watching the clouds float by or, you know, just breathing in and slowing the pace down enough to to listen to the birds. And, you know, over, over the lockdown period, if people have said, gosh, you can hear the birds now because you haven't got traffic. It's not just the traffic. You can hear the birds because we've slowed down enough to listen. <laughs> and so that's what I wanted to do. And so the, the horses just came along. And um, and then after I delivered that workshop, more clients came and said, "We, you know, I, I trained as a coach five years before I left IBM anyway. So I'd been coaching for a long time. Um, <clears throat> and clients came and said, not interested in that other stuff. I want to work with horses. So, again, leading through uncertainty – I did what any sane person does in the middle of a recession when they don't know anything about horses. I bought a horse and and just started delivering. And 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 the results were phenomenal. Um and I'll be honest, you know, the first 6 months I went home every night and cried and said to my husband, I can't do this. I, I just can't do it. It's too much. And every morning I got up and I thought, now I'm going to give it a go because I was seeing before my eyes the results clients were getting was so fast and so phenomenal that I thought I have to keep going. I can't take this away from the world. Um, so it was that that desire for that disruptive change and that desire to stick with something that was deeply uncomfortable for me um, in service of a bigger picture. And you did a qualification with the Herd Institute, is that right? The 
a certificate in equine facilitated learning. Yeah, so I've trained I trained initially with Horse Dream and then I did a a two-year program with the Herd Institute. Um I you know, I'm a lifelong learner, so I'm continually deepening my own my own processing and learning. I didn't know that was a thing till recently and it might be of huge interest to people listening to this that there is a way to involve nature in leadership. It need not necessarily be running across coals, which is what people often think of, or jumping across, you know, bridges, ravines, risking your, your bones and, and your life. But but working with horses, there is a way to train people or coach people in things like leadership in nature with horses. I mean, who'd have thought that was actually possible? So the other really interesting thing about that is that most of the outdoor activities are very, you know, yang energy. They're very masculine energy results orientated let's build a raft let's you know let's beat the other team let's swing from trees you know it it suits it suits the extroverts it suits the alpha leaders but it doesn't suit everybody and what one of the things that I found with working with the horses is it doesn't matter what your leadership style is the horses will engage you when you bring your best version of leadership not not mine, not somebody else's, not what you think it should be, but your best. And so what you know what often happens is you see the quiet ones in the team that often get overlooked will build strong relationships and then be super clear what they want the horse to do and get cooperation, which of course is what they get all the time in in the workplaces just because they're quieter. They don't always have a voice. And so what you see is everybody shine in a vastly different way. And you start to see that actually, you know, the class clown in the team has has a purpose and a value of bringing humor and lightness of mood, but can also be a massive distraction to a team. You know, the quiet introvert that doesn't say much, you actually need to create more space for them to speak because when they do, it's profound. And you know, and the and the alpha leader that is is the one that's gung ho and willing to have a go. Well, let them go first, but remind them that they've got to wait for everybody else to come with them <clears throat> and collaborate. So it's it's always about expanding people's range and you know, roughing off some of those rough edges. Yeah, that's a great point. There there are many times I've realised in, in a course that some people will not speak up. They're afraid to contribute. Or they're simply naturally introverted. So taking that, um, it's hard to gauge sometimes how involved they are in the learning process. But if you bring them into a situation where somehow, perhaps with animals, they can reveal their true selves. And they're, they're not threatened by other egos in the room or by other people with different uh, you know, strengths of character or confidence. But sometimes I've seen this myself because I used to ride horses, somehow managed to connect with people in, in a way that's really strange. Um, they sense something in people that sometimes people don't sense themselves. They're able to judge someone's confidence. And it's well known that they've been used in, in therapy. Now, we're not talking about therapy here because you're not a therapist, nor am I. But certainly horses or animals are an interesting vehicle to help people's characters emerge and to help sometimes people to to reconcile themselves 
with situations that they cannot resolve through relationships with humans. I find that fascinating. Well, and I think the key thing here that that you said is it's about the relationship. So, you know, people because people often say, "Oh, I get I get the metaphor of, you know, the working with the horses and I get that you can use them as a methodology." And I'm I'm really clear that they are not a methodology or a tool that they are a relational sentient being that has thoughts and feelings and opinions, very strong opinions. Um, (laughs) And that when we engage with them on a relational basis through a deeper level of connection, what that does is it gives us access to understanding how relationships really work at a deeper level. And, And then from doing that, we then can start to deepen those relationships within the team and start to to explore how does a team communicate more effectively when they can create a deeper sense of connection, you know, more transparency, less ego, more vulnerability, more humility, um, you know, more empathy and compassion. These are the skills that, well, I was going to say they're the skills of the future, but they're they're the skills that we need now. So let's talk about business in, in more detail. Um, you've mentioned a book, in fact, two books. You have written two books, uh, Leadership Beyond Measure, and the book I'm familiar with, which is Leading Through Uncertainty. Um, let's talk about that for a moment. What compelled you to write a book? And then next question would be, to what level, financially, if you can say that, um, has the book or the existence of, of a book, having a book, helped your business bottom line, revenue figures? Um, the, my first book I wrote because what I was finding was that clients were coming for a one day workshop. Um, I do programs now, but at the time they were coming for one day workshops and this is back in, uh, 2014, I think I published my first book and they were asking me at the end of a day, they were asking me lots and lots of questions about, well, what happens when with this and what happens with that? And um, they had so many questions that we couldn't cover in a day. And so I thought, I'm repeatedly being asked the same questions. This, you know, if I write a book and give it to clients to take away, they get a much more enhanced process because they experience it and then they can read and de- delve into it deeper and that will help them with their learning. So that was... So I wrote my first book for my clients. Um, and then the the second book, Leading Through Uncertainty, you know, as I say, when I, you know, when I left my IBM career and bought a horse and set up a business, you know, that's, uh, as I was going through that process, I was thinking, crikey, I'm really leading through uncertainty here. And I kept realizing that every time clients walked through my gate, they were uncertain, you know, how is this going to work? How do I get feedback on my leadership skills from a horse? Will the horse come with with me? So for the last nine years, I've been talking about uncertainty, but every time I mentioned it, clients said, no, we like to be in control. And so I, all the content that is in the book, I've been living and breathing for the last nine years and, and witnessing clients live and breathe it. But, but everybody was uncomfortable with the title and you could argue I could have come up with a different title, but I didn't. Um, and then two years ago, I just, well, three years ago, I decided that after Brexit, people were more comfortable with the idea of uncertainty. They didn't like it, but they were willing to use the word uncertainty, um, even though they were very uncomfortable with it. And that was when I thought, well, 
the world is ready for the book now. And and so I wrote that one because I wanted to, well, for two reasons. I wrote that one again for my clients because it answered a lot of questions and it spoke to a lot of things that people repeatedly explore when they work with me. Um, but I also wrote it as a way of being able to position myself as as credible and, and be able to share with people because I know that, you know, the idea of coming out and working with horses for a three-month team development program is not your average training and therefore no it's not if, <laughs> if I could provide clients with something that they could read in advance they could decide up front if it was for them or not um and that's why that's why I you know wanted to to, to write the book mm. um and it's you know it's it's been hugely helpful in the business you know it's it, clients go away with they get to choose which book they take away and they usually are intuitively drawn to one or the other um and i i present i you know i speak at conferences i get paid as a speaker for clients on leading through uncertainty and of course in the last nine weeks it's kept my business going in the form of the master classes so um i think the year it was published about 25 to 30% of my income came as a result of the book either through um you know speaking at clients offices or as a result of somebody reading the book and then ringing me and saying I have to come and work with you I've just read your book so the book actually does more than just contain words it's almost a, a pitch it, it extrapolates your content puts it in some digestible format but more importantly it gives someone knowledge and a reason to call you. So what you're ba basically saying is that the book has increased revenue. It's led to business that you can actually say concretely, having this book has brought people to my door and money to my business. Yes, definitely. Mm. Okay. So how long did that take you, that process? And then we'll go into, in a future episode of the podcast, we'll go into um, the process of, of writing a book because th that's a whole thing in itself, which I'm learning yeah. right now, but yeah. just for people listening, how long did that take you and what was involved in coming up with the book that you could actually say, eventually here's something it's going to be in print and physically having something in your hand. Well, the, the first thing is to commit, commit to writing it. And I mean, really commit, not just to the process, but commit to the completion um, so with my first book, Leadership Beyond Measure, I talked for three years about writing a book. And then I realized one day that talking about writing a book was never going to get it done. So I set the date for publication and I set it a year in advance um, and and then backtracked from there. I went back in, in time from if in a year's time it's published, what are the process steps that backtrack? And then realized I had about three months to write it. Um, because then it goes through editing and proofreading and design interior and out exterior design and all the rest of it, um, getting a publisher, all of that takes quite a long time. So, um, and then what I realized, well, actually three months isn't very long to write a book and I didn't have time to do it full time. So I decided that I'd set aside two hours a day and I, at the time I was getting up at, um, eight o'clock most days and I need a lot of sleep. And um, and I just thought, well, I'm going to commit to going to bed earlier and getting up at 6am. And I will write for two hours before I do anything. And that's what I did for six weeks. And I found that after I'd done it Monday to Friday, that weekend, 
I woke up at half past five with my my head brimming full of ideas. And so I, you know, for six weeks, even through the weekends as well, I leapt out of bed at, in fact, most days at quarter to six before the alarm went off. And I wake up and I I just write. And, and it didn't matter whether it was garbage or whether it was good. I just wrote and wrote and wrote. And I had about 100,000 words. And then I spent the next three months editing that again, two hours a day into some semblance of something. So, so my first book I wrote without a structure. I, I wouldn't, in hindsight, I wouldn't advise that. My second book was written to, I had a very clear table of contents. I broke it down, you know, to five different sections within each chapter um, and then wrote to that, which was a much, much better way of writing a book. But, you, you know, you learn from your mistakes, don't you? You just, you learn from it and you move on. And in a way, through uncertain times such as these, um, people have, to some extent, time on their hands. And for those of us who are trainers, sometimes people find summer months are quiet months. So with the current situation and the coming summer months, and who knows where we'll be in September, there is time right now to maybe think of writing a book, if that's something that you feel could do something for your business. But what you're telling us is that you can definitely say that having a book has raised your profile, has brought new business, has established credibility, and has actually added to the bottom line of your revenue figures, which is what interests me, actually. And I'm sure people listening to this is, is it worth the expenditure of time, energy, and resources to commit to writing a book and having it published with your name and your business's name. And you can say it has been successful and worthwhile. Completely. I think on top of that, and probably crucially, and, and and often I don't, well, I don't think you ever understand it until you do it. But they, they say that the book that changes you the most is the book that you write yourself. And I absolutely know that that has been true for me both times. That, in fact, with the first book, it completely took me by surprise of the personal transformation that I went through in the process of writing because in the process of writing you start to join dots that you didn't see before and then as you join those dots and particularly if you talk you're writing about leadership then I felt for me you know because I walk my talk I felt that I had to live and breathe what I'd written and so I'd then go and live and breathe it and practice it in my own work and life and gain more insights and so it just never stopped until the point where I just thought I have to stop learning and I have to stop writing and publish it and then and then start again with a second book and then the whole you know will people like it will they think it's rubbish you know all of the uncertainty and anxiety that happens around that is you know is phenomenal and then how that personally transforms your levels of confidence in what you're talking about um you know what you're delivering you know just helps you craft your own thoughts in a better way so Jude, where can people find out more about you and your company uh, well, my website is judejennison.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, happy for people to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. And uh, I have a podcast called Leading Through Uncertainty. That's on my website and on all the usual podcast things. But really, my website is the is the starting point because it will take you off in lots of different directions. I've got videos, podcasts, articles, all sorts. And of course, your book, where can people find your book? Uh, again, on my website. Um, if you get it on my website, you can get a signed copy. Uh, if you get it on Amazon, I get about 10 pence and it's not signed. <laughs> 10 pence. 
goodness. <laughs> so when you don't make your millions from selling a book. You you know you, the the book is a is a lead into yeah. opening doors. Um, so you know the, by the time you, you've gone through publishing and Amazon and royalties, it, it's a bit more than ten pence, but it's not it's not much more. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard people say it's it's a twenty five dollar business card. Yeah, That's what it is. Yeah. All right. <laughs> really fascinating. I'm I'm thrilled to have been able to share the story of, of of leadership courses or leadership learning through working with horses. That horses for courses, excuse the pun. It's uh it's um brilliant. It's uh and it, I can see how it works as someone who's had experiences with horses in the past, some good and bad ones. Um they are amazing creatures and and I've seen people come out of themselves when they're around horses and animals in a way they would not around people. So that's something to keep in mind listening to this today. If you're thinking of a way of adding a new angle to what you do, it may not be through horses, but I think the point here is to expand your mind as to how people can be served by your training and programs, whether it's through books or podcasts, or even by having a model such as working with animals for leadership. Thank you so much for being on the program today, Jude. It's been a pleasure. Great to talk to you. Thanks, Mark. My sincere thanks to you, Jude, for being our guest on today's show. And thanks to you, listeners, for tuning in again this week. Thanks for your support. And of course, your suggestions as to the kinds of episodes you'd like, which will help you with your training business. Please keep the suggestions coming. My email address is mark at trainingbusiness.com. May I also ask you to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts because this helps us to promote the show and to attract the kinds of guests who want to and can, through their experience and journey, help you with your training business journey. You can check out the podcast on a range of podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Acast, and so on. You'll find episodes on one of those platforms that suits you, depending on the device that you have. And you can also join the conversation on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, and a couple of other platforms. I can't even remember because I don't really use them very often, but uh, that's more about my neglect than anything else. But finally, thank you for your time today. And of course, there is a fresh episode of the Training Business Podcast next Thursday on whichever platform you happen to listen to. So until next Thursday, when I look forward to your company again, stay safe stay selling, keep on training, and talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.